Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, everybody. This is Jay Madison with Jay Madison's Rural America. Glad to have you all listening to this episode of our podcast. Hopefully you've been able to check out some of the ones that we've done before, earthquakes, agriculture, uh, all kinds of rural America issues. And today we're going to have a really special one. Uh, you might not have ever expected us to talk about this. I do not have my co-host, Ron Robbins, in the studio today. He is out uh, working the fields as we speak. So he's out there doing some great economic development activities in agriculture. But I do have a very special guest here. His name is Curtis Mosley. He's a retired master sergeant uh, with the U.S. Army from Fort Drum. Originally hails from... North Carolina and then Delaware. He owns, here in Jefferson County, he owns Bering Jiu-Jitsu New York Academy up in Evans Mills, which is located right near Eagle Ridge. And I've asked Curtis to come in and share his, uh, his experiences, his involvement in the great sport of scuba diving. For those that uh, may not realize it, we are located here where we do the broadcast from. We're located in the Thousand Islands region of New York State. If you take a look at the map, look right at the northern border of New York State, right near Canada. And that's where the St. Lawrence River flows between the two nations, and that is the Thousand Islands region. And it is an absolutely gorgeous area. I've spent my whole life here in northern New York, well, central New York, northern New York. I can't say I've ever been scuba diving, but uh, it's an absolutely beautiful natural area, and uh it has become a diving mecca, uh, international, I would say, diving mecca. So uh, wanted to bring Curtis in, share his experiences with us, talk a little bit about uh, scuba diving and uh, find out what it's all about. And maybe some of you out there listening might want to come up to the Thousand Islands region sometime. So, Curtis, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming in and uh, joining the podcast today. And uh, just really excited to p talk about this topic. Now, you, you say you're originally from uh, um, uh, North Carolina, Delaware. You Did you start scuba diving down there, or was this the first location? This is the first location. Uh, military brat going up, born in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, Marine Corps base, moved to California, Virginia, then later on up here Delaware and then join the army. So now, wait a minute. How did you how did you uh, make that work? Being you know, a, a marine brat and then going into the army. How'd you get away with that? Well, the army uh, bigger budget. Oh, okay. Better promotion rate, <laughs> so like that. So that's that's the reason why. I mean, when I, the recruiter called me, I didn't know anything about really the army. My dad was infantry. Uh huh. Uh, so I thought just hey, shoot and get shot at. You know, I didn't know they had all the other jobs, but. The Army recruiter talked to me and said, hey, we got a bigger budget. Promotion rate's a little bit faster here because we have more jobs. I looked into it. It made sense. And originally, I was reserves at first, one week in a month as a senior in high school. Uh-huh. And got back. And that's back when basic training in your school changed you. So I came back home. I was totally different from my friends. Not that <laughs> I was better, but I went through a life You were experience. different. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they didn't have any plans. They were in, that in between high school. Do I go to college? Do I get a job? Let's just sit around and drink and 
Yeah. Mom and dad will take care of us for a little bit and let us have our free time. And it just, it didn't fit well for me. Right. Uh, so I said, hey, I'll go active duty. It was actually, I was only home for a weekend. That Monday I went back to recruiter. I'm like, hey, I'll go active duty only if I can go to Germany. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, let me see, we, we can do that for you. Not a problem. <laughs> kind of found out later on that everybody I was considered prior service. So everybody that was prior service automatically either went overseas to Germany. I'd say like 95% of us. And the other 5% went to Korea. So luckily I was in that 95 that got Germany and spent a lot of time in Germany. So. Cool, cool. Now, what is your, I, I think it's called MO, your, what MOS. was it that you did in the Army? So train-wise, I was the uh, automated logistics specialist. So I dealt with all areas of logistics. Uh, lower ranking, you usually work at the unit, like repair parts person, kind of like a Napa auto parts. I did class nine, which is uh, mechanical parts for the vehicles. Ordered those, brought those in, controlled all those. So got higher, I worked in warehouses, uh, and then I became like a, they called it material management specialist. So I was in charge in Europe of number of warehouses all over Europe, moving assets all over the battlefield. I got to do a cooperation in Latvia where I was responsible for getting parts in. As we showed Russia that Lithuania, Latvia, and I think it was Estonia could survive without Russia. They really didn't need Russia. So we were doing... Uh, Field problems out there, shooting exercises and stuff. And I had DEH, FedEx, UPS, a couple of airlines at my disposal to move assets in and out the battlefield to make sure these guys can shoot, move, and communicate. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Quite the quite the career background. Yeah. Now, did you go into something else later in your military career? Yeah, my last three years, I uh, had probably one of the best jobs I enjoyed doing uh, hand-to-hand combat. I was the division combatives instructor. So I taught all the soldiers combatives, and I ran a division combatives uh, tournament they had every year at Mountain Fest. So. Oh, wow. So you came to Fort Drum for that then? No, I just I was in Germany, and I liked Germany so much. I spent 15 of my 24 years in Germany. Uh-huh. My last run was 11 years straight. I was supposed to be 13 in uh, Germany. We call it PERSCON, First Personal Command. Found out a lot of people who liked Germany were just staying there submitting their paperwork in. The trick was if you got your paperwork in, Early enough, it stayed at the lower command, USRA, uh, United States Europe Command. Right. They wanted to keep you, of course. So they would just change your date. And then <laughs> Big Army, Big Brother found out later on, like, hey, you guys weren't sending these to us. So they did a clean sweep. I think I had duty one night on New Year's Eve. And I looked. I said, hey, my, they called it a DROS date, date of return from overseas. It's supposed to be 13. I looked at it. I'm like, that doesn't look a 13. It looks like an 11. I looked, and sure enough, I blew it up. And they said, hey, yeah, you're going back. And oh, I only no. been at... Ban- I just moved to Bamberg. I'd been there a year. They're like, hey, we're in a movie out in May. I was like, well, where am I going? I didn't know yet. So I called back in a couple of weeks. And most people in the Army, there's a couple places you don't want to go. <laughs> Fort Polk's one of them for me. Uh-huh. Fort Irwin, out in the desert. And Fort Drum, because you heard about the snow. So I was like, please don't let it. And it was Fort Drum. <laughs> I was like, man. And they were trying to fight it. But as they fought it, the guys that were fighting it would go from the fire from the pot into the fire, as uh-huh. far as, like, they take Fort, oh, okay, you don't want to go to Fort Drum, but we're going to send you to Fort Polk. Yeah. Okay, you're fighting Fort Polk, now you're going to the desert, Fort Irwin. If you ever been to Fort Irwin, it makes Watertown, New York, look like a paradise. Oh, really? Wow. I, I was there for training. They sent our guys out there. It's in the desert, Fort Irwin, um, Barstow, California, for training. About 30, 40-minute ride, no exaggeration, to get to the post. It's nothing but rocks and dirt. Oh, wow. That's it. Like, when you leave, if you're stationed there, after you're leaving, USAA normally pays you to get your car repainted because it just got sandblasted. Oh, really? Yeah, and to get the bar still at the time, there was a McDonald's, 
I think in uh, it was an old school store. I'm probably telling my age now, Montgomery Wards or something like that, or one of those stores like that. That right, was it. Right. You had to go like, if you go there, hey, what's there to do? Well, Vegas is three hours away. L.A. is four hours away. Like, what's close by? Nothing. So there's nothing out there. Like, wow. Base. They got great base housing. They got great stuff on post, but there's nothing outside of outside. the post. Yeah, there's no 30-minute ride up to the water here and, and jump on the boat or something like that. There's Jeez. nothing out there, so... Well, welcome to Watertown. <laughs> yeah. So I accepted it. You know, I did some research. And, you know, a lot of the things people say about Fort Drum is the old Fort Drum. There's nothing to do here. It's built up now. It's totally different than what you hear from the mid-90s, early 2000s. It's definitely more built up now. It's it's really a, a gem in the Army's arsenal post to go to, I, I feel. You know, it depends on what you want to do. Well, you know, here in the economic development world, we hear that fairly often that uh, Fort Drum's actually – actually has one of the highest rates of retirement to the community of any of the bases here in the United States. At least that's what I've been told. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes from people not doing their own research, just saying, hey, my Uncle Jay was at Fort Drum. He hated it. Mm -hmm. Okay, He was there in 70. There's nothing to do. Right, I understand it. But when you get here and find out and you ask questions and, and see stuff, and everybody wants to go to Texas. Texas has free this, free that. But they don't realize if you didn't join the Army from Texas, you don't get all that free stuff. Oh, for me, when I retire here, I'm a New York state resident because I brought a house. So I get property tax breaks. I get my fishing license cheaper, my hunting license cheaper, my registration cheaper. Uh, New York state veterans education. They pay for my education, too. Wow. Um, There's lots of different benefits out there. They don't tax my retirement pay. Huh? Well, that's Uh, that's interesting. And California weather wise is great, but their taxes are super. Oh, yeah. People who complain about gas prices and stuff here in taxes. Haven't been to California. <laughs> I remember going to California, getting off the plane. I was only there for a weekend. Buddy was opening up his jiu-jitsu school, and um, I stopped to get something to drink at the gas station by the San Diego airport. And gas then, I think it was four, almost four dollars here. People were complaining that was the expensive gas. The cheap gas was almost six dollars down there. Wow, that's crazy. So, that's I see crazy. why they drive Teslas and bikes and stuff like that out there yeah. because it's so expensive. So I'd say do your homework. I mean. There's pros and cons everywhere you go. Do we have high taxes? Yes, but then the uh, income rate offsets that. You can go down south, things are going to be cheaper, but you're not making the same in the job you're doing here as you would down south because right. of that. Right. People don't take that in consideration. Yeah. But Well, we're glad that you that you retired to uh, northern New York. Yeah. That's fantastic. And uh, you're one of those examples that we like to cite as far as, you know, from the Army at Fort Drum retiring into the lo- local community. And that that really leads us to the, the, the main topic of our conversation to, today, and that's you retired here and you had an interest in the local area and in diving. Mm-hmm. Uh, what started that? Uh, so diving, I have a buddy of mine. Uh, he's a state trooper. We rode bikes together. He trained jiu-jitsu. He's all in different stuff. He gets in the guns, of course, being a state trooper, but I never really got into guns. We always talked about diving. It's just one of those things where his schedule or my schedule, we talked about it. We were definitely interested, but just never really got together to have the time to go through all the steps, his busy schedule. Uh, unfortunately, one of my old uh, buddies from war, my driver, he had passed away suddenly um, when he was out in Hawaii, just literally dropped dead. So hmm. I went out for his funeral in Texas, came back and. I don't know, algorithms or whatever it is, but Facebook, I was looking on it and popped up, hey, have the user GI bill to pay for scuba diving lessons. So I oh, wow. called down to St. Lawrence Scuba Co. on Coffeen Street and said, hey, I think I had 
four months of benefits left. I got five degrees. I have four months of benefits left. I was trying to figure out a way to use those up. And the guy's like, yeah, you got to have at least a month, and this is how it works. And I was like, all right, I'll be down there. So I signed up, and it just took off from there. Huh. So it, the Army actually helped pay, your your Army service actually helped pay for your training for scuba diving. Yeah, so all, I have 10 certifications right now in scuba under NAWI, uh, which is the shot. There's a bunch of different organizations, but NAWI is one of the big ones, too. And uh, they have a program with the GI Bill. So it they set up three classes for the Army guys. So if I go in, it's different from when you go in. You'll get one class, and then you have to add on. I went out, I got basic open water, which is your first class. I got nitrox, which is a gas that helps you out stay a lot longer bottom time. And I got first aid CPR class, and that's all bundled together for a certain amount. And it takes about a month's worth of benefits. So normally you pay up front. Once you graduate the class, they give you your paperwork, your process, so you get paid, and then you can start another block of three classes. And that's what I kept doing until I used all my GI Bill up. So what, you, you said you have 10 certifications right now? Yeah, so I'm open water which is the first step. I got basic CPR and first aid. Uh, I did nitrox, which is a certain kind of gas. Gives you longer downtime, bottom time. Not deeper, but longer, and it lessens your chance of getting decompression sickness and nitrox. Um, Then I did advanced open water, which is your second step, digital photography, and O2 provider, which is a safety course for you. And then I went on to dry suit, because, of course, we're up in the North Country, and we like to drive (laughs) when it's cold, which is most of the time. So I did dry suit, and then um, I did search and recovery, which is a good thing to have up here. People losing stuff in the river all the time. Yeah. And then I did um, rescue diver. And then I also, because I dive so much, and at the shop here, it's a lot of military guys that come in and out. Uh, so Jay Robbins, the owner of the shop there, asked me about being an assistant, trainer, trainer assistant. So I have trainer assistant too. Oh, wow. I don't train people. I help assist with class. Like if you right. have a question or whatever, helping make sure your gear is right, I get you on the boat. I can take you out the water. I can't change the ratio of a class because I'm not trained to teach, but I'm there to help. If you ask me a question, even if I know the answer, I'll let the instructor know, hey, Jay's got a question. Okay. Yeah. So you started all of this here on the Thousand Islands region. Yes. And um, you, you got your certification for open water. What was that like? Now, you, you've been in the military. You've trained people to fight, to do hand-to-hand combat. So you're used to situations that are pretty uh, high stress, uh, you know, high adrenaline. But what, what's it like to go into the water scuba dive? I've never dived. Yeah. I've I done a little bit of snorkeling, you know, just the easy stuff. Yeah. Man, you're missing out. I mean, you've been. I would like to try it. I would like to try it. Man, scuba diving. uh, If you're not afraid of water, you're not claustrophobic. I often talk to people about it. I don't know about the mask and going that deep. It's kind of freaky. It can be, but it's so relaxing. There's no phone down there. You're not talking. Everything's hand signals. If you got the right dive partner and it's a new spot to you and you see kind of cool stuff, it's awesome. Like up here, you're going to see the wrecks. You're not going to see a bunch of colorful stuff. You got the wrecks and the water down there. There's a dive park at Bonnie Castle. Uh, all about scuba and some of the other scuba communities are putting new structures in there. A, a, a dive park at Bonnie Castle. Yeah, so when you go into Bonnie Castle there. Which is a resort is, yep. here on the St. Lawrence River. Yep. So okay. right there, uh, you can walk in the water. It's right across, actually, from we come out the water, we'll see Bonnie Castle itself. Okay. All right, so you go down there, there's training platforms. There's normally a mirror down there. You can look at your what we call trim, how your position is in the water. There's a map, you go around, you just see different things. There's a car down there. I forget the exact car. I'm going to say Studebaker, but... Could be something else. There's sunken boats. So there's stuff down there that's sunk. And you kind of just go. For the purpose yeah. of. Go out there and see it. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you'll see, you know, every once in a while, a sturgeon. 
You'll see some big pikes and stuff like that. So you'll see some pretty cool stuff down there. Huh? Neat. Uh, so that that's an actual dive park that's set up for people to just dive, see some different things, experience some different things. And that's right here in Jefferson County in northern New York State. Yes. Okay. Now, so how deep do you go when you're in the river? Because I know the river from fishing it. Yeah. I know the river gets down 150, 200 feet at least in some spots. So how deep you go depends on your certification. When I became basic open water, I was certified to go under up to 60 feet. Okay. So it gives you the knowledge and know-how to carry yourself there. There's not a, for say, scuba police. These are recommendations and guidelines. So you could throw a tank on if somebody would give you a tank and go 100 feet. It wouldn't be smart. No. You don't have the know-how and all Basic open water is 60 feet. Advanced is 130 feet. And then after that, you get into tech diving. Uh, different kinds of mixes of gas because I could use air the whole time, but I have more of a chance of getting... Uh, Narked yeah. uh, from nitrogen in your body and stuff like that. So with nitrox, it's more oxygen in there okay. versus in just like a regular air mix. Can't go deeper with nitrox in air, but my bottom time is a little bit longer and my sit time out in between the off gas is shorter. Okay. Um, and you don't feel as tired and stuff like that. You have less chance of getting narked. Okay. Call it. So um, guys are going over 130 feet. Like the Jodgery is erect. It's right across from uh, the Coast Guard up there. That's a tech dive. These guys got dry suits. They're going down for a while. They got to do uh, decompression stops, different levels of oxygen to come back up. So there's the St. Lawrence River is great. Um, like one of the instructors had in the beginning, he's like, if you want to do just stay at 20, 30 feet, there's cool stuff there. If you want to go down 200 and something feet and get tech diving, there's stuff there for you. So it's a wide, wide range of stuff you can do out there on the river as far as wrecks. That's, I've had, uh, I have uh, family members that have come up, they've divin, uh, <laughs> divin, they've dove uh, along the Atlantic coast, you know, down to Florida and so on. Mm -hmm. And they said when they dove here on the, the St. Lawrence River, that it was some of the best diving that they've oh, yeah. ever experienced. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're in a great backyard here for wreck diving. Uh, the big thing here is checking out different wrecks. We have the um, Keystorm, steel freighter that went down, coaling it. It's pretty cool. Close to the Singer Castle. We have the Islander right there by the hospital, which is a shore dive. You just walk in, boom, the Islander's right there. Wooden, uh, I think it's a wooden ferry that went down. We have the, uh, what's the other one? We have the Jawdry, which is another good dive. It's about 114 feet down, so you go down. And it's got a pretty wicked current to it, but, you know, you got the rope. You go down there. The Jawdry, like I said, that's a tech dive, so I haven't been in that one. There's the America. Um, there's the St. Louis and Cape Vincent, which is really like 20 feet. You can see it. Snorkeling, yeah. Huh. I've flown a drone river, but you can see it really well. So, oh wow. Um, then you go over across the river there, uh, Rockville. There's the Lily Parsons, the Gaskins. There's lots of different wrecks up here. Now, do you have to get any kind of special permits or permission to go into Canada as a U.S. citizen? No, uh, just regular going over, let them know you're diving. You would say that depending on who's at the gate, and it's always hit or miss. You never know how you get, I want to say harassed, but how you get checked at the gate. Right. So me going over my scuba tanks that I already have instead of renting on the other side is probably cheaper for me. But who's to say the guard there doesn't say, hey, you're smuggling drugs in your tanks. I need you to open them up or then my dive Give shot, you a hard you know? time. Yeah, so uh, the times I went over there, thank goodness I guys were divers. Like, oh, yeah, it's a great part. Check this out and check that out. And went over and had some great dives. So Now, when you're down it, when you're down in the river, it, you know, I've had a, I, I have an underwater camera that mm -hmm. I use, uh, I use it for fishing and mm -hmm. stuff, and I've taken it out, 
and it looks just like it's so cool down there, like canyons and then yeah. islands popping up. Describe what you see. What What's the most beautiful thing you see down there? You'll see some pretty cool rock formations and stuff like that. Um, just different things down there. It's so cool, like the different animals that come out and stuff like that. Especially night dives are spooky, but a lot of fish, there's more activity at nighttime. So you've div- you dove, boy, I can't <laughs> talk today. You dove at night in the river. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that has to be a little bit eerie because of the current, because of the islands and the the shoals and yeah, stuff. The current is not too bad at nighttime. Usually, I mean, if you go out in the river, morning time is pretty calm. The nighttime it calms down too. It's just like almost like caught butter. It's glass on the water, so it's not too bad. Uh, you want to have a good torch or your light because what that torch can see is what you can see. You turn it and you're <laughs> like, man, it's dark. And we have safety features. We have little glow sticks on the back of our tanks. So we know where our buddy is. We stay within arm's reach of each other. But it's so cool. So many different things come out at nighttime. Huh. So. Wow. What's what's the most interesting uh, fish, wildlife, whatever that you've seen diving? Uh, we've seen some sturgeon before. Really? Yeah. And then because um, those are not lakes. common at all on the on no, the lake. We've seen some pretty big ones though. So you see some really big fish up there. Yeah. There, so yeah, <laughs> northern pike and, and muskellunge. And we see like, hey, you're on the wrong spot. He's over here. <laughs> He's smarter than you. So uh, it's pretty cool seeing the big fish up here. Like I said, not a tropical fish of course right yeah right that's a good thing up here like you're not worried about anything crazy coming to get you <laughs> you're not on the dinner list yeah there the platforms i talked about up at the bonnie castle dive park there's a alligator statue that's tied up there and i was messing around one time and took a good picture of it didn't have too much algae on it i did the uh thing from swamp guys uh troy landry shoot him where's troy at when you need him <laughs> and some friends like man are you crazy that alligator out there i'm like was it real? I'm like, yeah, for real, for real. Real statue. I'm like, you've been through your whole life. You know there's not alligators up there in the water. I guess there could be if somebody put them there. But yeah, there's not a little much, cold for them. Yeah, though. there's not too much wildlife you have to worry about out there. Yeah. yeah. Huh, that is so neat. I, I would I would love to do it. Yeah. It's, it just sounds like an incredible experience. Um, I, I don't know if you're aware. There, um, I was actually originally on the, um, the advisory council uh, helping form a national marine sanctuary okay. uh, here on the eastern end of Lake Ontario. It's not quite done yet, but they're they're making good progress. I actually had to step down because of all the sports stuff I do. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the Lake Ontario National Marine Sanctuary, because of all of the diving and wrecks and so yeah, on. Yeah, I read about that, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be cool when we get that. Yeah, there's a ton of them up here. I mean, it's almost wreck paradise uh the only drawback i guess because it's cold water some people get spoiled by like hey driving in shorts or we call a shorty uh scuba suit they like to do that they like the warmer water so yeah it's not warmer water yeah now but up here in the wintertime when it gets cold the temperatures drop it's the best visibility ever really and i was just going to bring that up you've actually dove through the ice here i haven't ice dove yet because the last two years it hasn't been good but a tradition here is your new year's day dive first dive of the year so i've been in the water when it's been pretty chilly uh, and the, the visibility is great like you can see for like you know and uh, now how do you how do you compensate for that cold i mean that water is almost freezing cold. yeah so I, I think when i drove on new year's this year i want to say it was 32 or something like that well that is freezing yeah so uh in your suits you have different suits so i have a dry suit my first year doing it i had a semi-dry which luckily that not this past New Year's, the last New Year's, I think it was like 40 or 50 degrees out that day. Just And we went to Cape Vincent, so it wasn't terrible, but this is one of those things I wanted to do because it was tradition. 
This past one we did it, and I dove a couple times in July, or January rather, a dry suit. So I finally got a dry suit. Hefty investment, but it, if you're going to be up here, you probably want to do it. There's yeah. some organizations, they dry, they dive in dry suits all the time. So the dry suit itself, the outer garment keeps you dry. Underneath there, you wear different things. Like I almost got like a snowmobile outfit I can put on when it's really cold outside. If I wanted to use a day, I have a little bit thinner one that's different. Like I got from 250 grams to 350 to 450 grams, and you can go even lighter than that. Some people use them in the summertime. The water's warm enough, you kind of like to feel the water. It's a weird feeling because... You know you should be wet, but you're not wet. And you get out and you're totally dry and you're warm. So uh, unless you wear a full face mask, only part that gets cold is your face. Huh. And as soon as that's you're in the water, you don't feel that anymore. So it's not uncomfortable. You got dry. You're totally dry as long as you did all your checks and everything sealed up completely. <laughs> yeah. uh, just recently, a died. We had a guy, his dry suit flooded. <laughs> he was freezing. Oh, my God. Luckily, that day it was nice out and the sun was out. So we can get him in the sun as we were getting him out of his dry suit. And he had water. It's kind of like in waders. Right. You fall down, you get all water in there. Well, he felt the same way. Yeah, so. now, I've done that yeah. duck hunting in November. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. It's not fun. Yeah. yeah. So luckily that day it was pretty warm out. We can get him in the sun. He can cool down. And he wasn't a big guy, so he didn't have like body insulation to keep him warm. Huh. But. Well, we're talking with Curtis Mosley. He is a diver here on the St. Lawrence River. He also has his own martial arts academy, the uh, Bearing Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, boy, I don't know what is wrong with me. Jiu-Jitsu New York Academy up near Evans Mills. And we've been talking with Curtis about his uh, diving experiences here. So you've, you've dove in a couple tropical places, Puerto Rico, uh, Curacao, did I say that right? Curacao. Cur- Curacao. Uh, compare them. Compare those to up here. It's like night and day. One, it's salt water versus fresh water. So sure. you got to get used to that. But uh, just the stuff you're going to see down there. Uh, I was in Curacao. I dove every day for like five days. I uh, got up in the morning, ate breakfast, went out in the boat, did two boat dives. And one day I dove four times. Wow. Uh, just a different thing you're going to see. I saw squid and I saw octopus seahorses, the different coral Neat. formations out there. Uh, just amazing area. And you're, you're somewhere new, a different culture, and seeing different things you're not going to see here. We did a couple wrecks there. Um, they were cool. I didn't get to do the big wreck we wanted to do because we had some open water guys in our group. You had to be advanced. Uh, Puerto Rico, just seeing different stuff down there. No wrecks, but just seeing different stuff down there too. Tropical water again. Uh, mm-hmm. do both the North Atlantic up there and the uh, San Juan side. And down by Ponce, the Caribbean Sea was my first time down there. And then Curacao, diving every day down there is just amazing. Even night dives. We had a buddy, and if you saw the uh, Netflix series or Netflix movie, The Octopus, my teacher, or the guy meets octopus. Uh, I haven't day. watched it. I've, I've seen it. Yeah, on so uh, I don't know. You probably know Nancy Martell from the uh, yeah. thing. So it was funny because I was putting pictures on Facebook, and her cousin was putting pictures on Facebook. Well, they went for a night dive. He had an interaction with octopus. Oh, neat. So through Facebook, Nancy's like, between your pictures and my cousin's pictures, I really want to get a Curacao now. Me and uh, Dave, Dave was my Sergeant Major in the Army. We're good friends. We ride bikes together. I said, huh? I said, uh, we got a guy here named Tom in our group who had an interaction with an octopus in night dive, and they turned out to be cousins. Oh, wow. So neat. pretty cool. But, uh, Very neat. Yeah, you just see different stuff. Parrotfish uh, kind of got like human-like teeth, and they chomp on the coral, and you can hear it down there. You can hear sound in the water. Huh. Uh, so you hear these guys chomping sea turtles and uh, stuff like that. So... It's just amazing to see the different wildlife down there. Lionfish, beautiful fish, but invasive fish yeah. down there. It decimates the population because yeah. it has no natural predators. Of course, in my 100th dive, normally you jump in the water naked. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. So 
I had lionfish, but I went on lionfish uh, experience hunt. Uh-huh. Every dive that I went on, we saw lionfish all over the place. The day I went to hunt them, I didn't see any lionfish. <laughs> Figures. But somebody caught one. It was pretty cool seeing it with the spear. And uh, so we had shishimi, I guess. It's just yeah. raw fish, not sushi. I didn't know there's a difference there. So that's what I did for my hunter dive. But beautiful fish, but highly venomous yeah. to you. Yep, you have to be fish. very careful how you clean them and stuff. Yeah. They're, I guess they're really tasty. I've never tried one, but... It's hard to say. I mean, we had so much wasabi and uh, soy sauce on it, but oh, I ate it. Um, got a video of it. But um, beautiful fish, like I said, just you know, decimating the population. So the one that one of the guys called in our, our group, I thought it was pregnant because it had a big belly, but it, it was about that big. Mm-hmm. And the fish it had in it was about that big in the belly. And, and when you say that big, we're talking maybe a foot long, and then you're saying the... About six to eight inches the fish it had in it. The so fish that it ate was it about six to eight out, inches. You can see it was tore up a little bit, but you can see the size of it. So huh, wow. they caught three fish, a nice size one, the other ones are smaller. He said, we just saved about 90 fish because they eat about 30 fish a day. Jeez. They repopulate every four days. And wow. They said they're dumb fish. They don't really move around a lot, but they're a smart fish too, so... In Curacao, the next resort over there is the aquarium, and they have a submarine that takes you down a 1,000 feet. At 600 feet, people have seen lionfish down there. Wow. Yeah, so. Crazy. I don't know how they're coming over. I know in Florida, Hurricane Andrew, and people had them because it's a beautiful fish. Yeah. Hurricane Andrew, some got loose in the population. Now they're as far as Delaware. I don't think they've ever come up here yet, but they can survive in the cold, so you never know. We may start seeing uh, lionfish up here. Geez. Hopefully not. No, let's hope but, not. Yeah. We've got enough invasive uh species of fish here we yeah. don't need any more yeah. um one of one of my dreams would be to dive with whales yeah. I, I would just love yeah. to do that but we'll see i, I don't know yeah. if i'll ever I make like it diving with the rays the rays are my favorite underwater animal they're just so uh, graceful cool. and cool yeah, when you see them out there so uh, i did at denver aquarium i went out and saw my dad uh just looking now and that scuba diving bugs bit me i'm like i wonder if there's anywhere to scuba dive out there and i figured it'd be a quarry or something like that lo and behold the Denver Aquarium, you can dive with the fish. Oh, you can go right in the yeah. aquarium? You can dive with the sharks. So you can do the shark cage encounter. So I've done all three of them huh. a number of times. So. Oh, neat. Very neat. I didn't know that. That's yeah, a neat experience. Cool. I think Epcot does it now, too. Christina went, the uh, medic. Yep. Yeah, she yep. went down there. So huh. uh, definitely uh, Caribbean is really fun diving. There's lots of different places and um, to go. So, so coming back up here to the Thousand Islands region, um, what would a person do if they wanted to come here and experience diving? Uh, what would you recommend as the first step? If they're not certified, you got there's three different schools up here or two different dive shops you can get certified at. They're all good. I mean, I'm not a plug for either one of them. They're all good. If you're a soldier, you're probably going to want to go with St. Lawrence Scuba Code because of the GI Bill program. You can have the GI Bill pay for it, especially if you're not using it. So many single soldiers, I was the first sergeant, so many single soldiers sitting in the barracks don't do anything or they want to go out to Whistler's or any of the local establishments here and drink, and that's all they know. And a lot of times that's why they end up hating duty stations here, the same thing in Germany. Because they, they never just, learn they, they what never there learn anything is to do. to do. So this is a great program to go out and learn how to scuba dive, meet people, and go out and have a good time scuba dive. I met some great people. So you have St. Lawrence Scuba Co., which is good for soldiers at GI Bill. You have All About Scuba with Bob Sherwood. It's a phenomenal diver, world-renowned diver. You have Hunt's Dive Shop with Chris Hunt and Dana Hunt down there. They have a charter and everything. All three of them have charter boats, I believe. Or I don't know about All About Scuba, but Jay has a charter boat. Hunt has a charter boat. So there's three different dive shops you can go to, get all your gear you need to, get trained up. They all train different ways or different organizations. I would say don't worry. You know, you get hooked into something, you follow a lot of different groups. 
I would say don't get so caught up in which one's better as organization. Find a good instructor. And I think all three of them are good instructors. They all got different personalities. I'm mm-hmm. friends with all three of them. So it's a plug for all three shops. Whatever is best for you, convenient for you, check all three out and make your decision from there. Hmm. Great. And then uh, just there's all sorts of dives, shallow dives, yeah. medium dives, deep dives. All of those are available here. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. be prepared for a little bit colder water. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's some thermoclines up here, which are kind of cool when you're in the warm water and you go through and you're like, wow, what happened? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you can go right up to Cape Vincent. They put a new dock in there. So on our new, I think it was our New Year's Day dive, went there and kind of bottle hunting treasure hunting we call it for bottles and there's some really cool bottles you can find up there i've got some on my shelf there at home i got some bottles from the 50s so the old glass bottles when you find them it's kind of fun because you look at the bottom there's markings and now you got to do some internet research and figure out what this marking is and where it comes from and you get the whole history of the bottle and you can find some old pepsi bottles my find i'm looking for is a nice blue bottle lots of different shapes medicine bottles old antique bottles you can find out there yeah they're just there floating on the bottle yeah and uh with prohibition coming from Canada, allegedly there's cases probably of like some unopened stuff. I think somebody said something went down by uh, Bull Castle and there's cases of alcohol down there, and you can find the bottles. Hey, you huh. never know. Jeez, that'd be cool. Even from the war, and you, and you meet some cool people. I remember uh, it was last year I was doing my rescue class and I was getting my vehicle serviced up at A Bay, and I had my diver down sweatshirt on with the flag on it, and the guy sitting next to me had his on. And the guy looked for me. I just couldn't place it. You know, you see somebody, like, I know this guy from somewhere. I just can't place it. Right. We're talking diving. He, you know, he dove up here. He comes up every summer. He was down in Florida diving. We talked about San Diego, the kelp farms down there, a really cool place to dive. But the great whites can come in. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, there's, there's great white sharks there. I mean, there. you haven't heard anything, but you know they can come. And it's kind of dark with the kelp there because it's growing yeah. up so much, a lot of vegetation. So you can dive there. It's supposed to be great diving, but it's eerie because they're there. And when they come in, they come in quick. Yeah. So I'm talking to this guy, and then he starts giving me history lessons about the Battle of Goose Bay. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. No. Where the Americans no. went over Canadian side, stole some ships, and was kind of like a setup. So they got these ships and came back into Goose Bay up here. It's uh, Bonnie Castle, a little bit further down. There's another right. Goose Bay yeah. up there. Yep. So they had people set up in this ambush to bring these ships in. They got the ships in, and as the British were chasing them, they just gave it to them. So huh. the ships sunk right there. And it's kind of mucky, so nobody's really dug them up. But these ships are probably preserved pretty good in this muck. Huh. And so the guy's telling me his great history lesson, really knowledgeable guy. And I leave him like, he gives me his card. And it's a Tuga trading company, Sean Rich. And I'm like, I just, I know this guy from somewhere. So I get on the internet and I don't know if you ever watch Pawn Stars with uh, Rick and everything. Yeah. Sean Rich is the weapons expert they brought in. Oh, really? Yeah, the, oh my God. Most of his weapons have been in Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. He's an advisor for that. So he comes up here every summer. He's got a family and he scuba dives. And like he said, you can go deep. I'm not a deep. I've like, I don't need to go down and say, hey, I did 200 feet. Some people do that. Right. Me and him were talking 60, 70 feet. If you just want to see cool stuff, that's where it's at right there. Now, if there's a good wreck down there, they go down and see, go down and come back up. But I'm not into any chasing any depth records just right, for right. personal best. And just, it's a great feeling to go down and dive. You forget about everything on the land. You don't have your cell phone. There's nobody yelling in your ear. It's sign language. So you get a good dive buddy, which for me, I have Ty Keith, uh, my buddy Ty comes in. He's a retired trooper, and he goes down to Florida. He eats snowbirds, so when he can see his breath, he's out of here. He comes up, and we're both retired. So it's a great mix to go meet up at 10 o'clock. We go dive. We get out. We go eat and have a good time with it. So, yeah. Well, this has just been a fantastic conversation. So interesting, Kurt, Curtis. Very appreciate, appreciative of your time and 
coming on to, to talk about scuba diving. And folks, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of times we do talk about agricultural topics here on the podcast, but this is about rural America, and rural America has so many hidden treasures, like the Thousand Islands region here in northern New York State, and it is a scuba diver's paradise with so much to offer for freshwater diving, all of the wrecks, the rock formations, the islands, the, the fish, everything. So, Curtis, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. No, it's, it's just been fantastic. Really appreciate it. So, folks, that's going to be a wrap for today. Hope all of you have enjoyed the show, and make sure you come back and check out future episodes of Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.